How's everybody doing? Really? It's Friday. How's everybody doing? All right, right on, right on. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we are going to hop into things and learn a little bit about Jesus. We pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we explore your word, as we explore your truth, um, let us find truth for who we are. Let us see you. So God, set me aside for your sake. For all of us who've gathered here with questions, for all of us who've gathered here with doubts, frustrations, anxieties, Lord, let us seek you. Let us find rest in you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our, our reading for today comes from Galatians chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Paul writes this, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the day set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Here ends our reading. So, the first time and last time that I ate caviar, I was at this amazing wedding reception. I grew up in St. Louis, and I was still there at the time, and it, this was an uh, old shoe factory in downtown St. Louis. And the floor that we were on had been renovated and turned into an art gallery and kind of a banquet hall. And as you stepped outside onto the, the marble-encrusted veranda, you could see all of the historic buildings in downtown. And if you looked just right down the one direction, you could see a portion of the St. Louis Arch. And this was an event filled with the elite in the city, from politicians to professional athletes to people in high academia, and people like who were just wealthy and connected were there at this party. Everybody was dressed elegant, extremely elegant, just fancy beyond all belief. And there were uh, servers walking around, and these servers had on white jackets, and little black ties and white gloves. And they smiled as they went around and they called everybody sir and ma'am as they passed hors d'oeuvres around to everybody who was there with a little bit of jazz music playing in the background. This was a beautiful, beautiful night and event. And that is where I ate caviar. It was on top of this little toast and there was something else that was there. To be honest, I can't remember. What I do remember is how it tasted. It was a little weird. The texture was kind of funny, but it was interesting and delicious. It was pretty cool. Now, I know what you're thinking right now. Man, there is a baller up front who is sharing God's word with us. High roller, eating caviar, living in the lap of luxury. And it couldn't be further than the truth. You should go check out my car in the parking lot. It's a beater for sure. That night, I was one of the guys in the white jackets calling everybody sir or ma'am. And I remember exactly how this took place. 
there were four of us huddled in the kitchen in those white jackets, and we were just started commenting back and forth like, man, I wonder how much that little dollop of fish eggs even costs, and do you know what it tastes like? Have you had it before? Have you had it before? And we were all in college at the time, so of course the answer was, no, we have not had caviar before. And just as we were talking and trying to figure out what this thing really was, one of our managers, not the main manager, but one of our managers came walking by, and he whispered to us, Go ahead and take one. Tom's out on the floor. Tom was our big boss. He said, Tom's out on the floor. Just take one and eat it quick. And so we all just went and popped it in our mouth. And it was amazing. Now, even though we got to have a little taste of luxury that night, none of us in that kitchen as we were bussing tables and and cleaning dishes and getting ready for the next course, none of us were confused about who the party was for. None of us were invited to the party. We were only there because we worked there. We were dressed in such a way with these white coats and black ties and white gloves that we were meant to recede into the background. And we were there to smile, not have conversations on the floor, but to 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 use niceties and respectful terms with all of the guests who were there. That's why we were there, to serve. It was clear that night and every other night that no matter how much of the leftovers we would have eaten or how much we would have drank, we wouldn't have been a part of that party. There's no way I could have gone up to the father of the bride that night, gave him a big old hug and said, Hi, Daddy! I probably would have been arrested. And rightfully so. I was there that night and every other night that I worked for this company as a servant. It's who I was. I was there to serve those who were there. In Galatians 4, Paul talks a little bit about what it means to be a servant. And he he pulls in one little aspect of a servant life. And he says, when you're there... As a servant in a house, you're present, but you don't actually belong. I mean, you may be liked by the family. You may have familiarity with the family. You may get the occasional leftover, but you don't belong. You're not meant to be a part of the family. You're meant to recede into the background. You're an outsider as a servant. Have you guys ever felt that way before? As an, as an outsider. Like you don't belong in a certain place. You don't belong with a certain people. You don't belong maybe here. Specifically, I, I want us to consider this morning this question. Do I belong with God? Do I belong with him in his kingdom, in his church? You know, I think that if, if we took a poll of Anybody from the theology professors who are here to those who got dragged kicking and screaming, we would all say, each and every one of us in this room, that at some point in time, we feel like an outsider in God's kingdom. We feel like we don't belong. And maybe it's because there is a sin in your life that is dark and has been looming, and you dare not speak it to anybody who is around you for fear of embarrassment. Or maybe day after day, you're filled with struggles and doubts about who God is and what he is doing in your life. Maybe there's just sin that is ongoing 
and creeping and is always present. And you've done something that means you don't deserve to be here. You don't feel that you're good enough or that you've done the right things in the right way. So you don't belong. Now, Paul, who wrote this little section of Galatians, he says this about Galatians and and about to the Galatians who were feeling this way as being servants in verse 3. He says, In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. Enslaved to the elementary principles of this world as a servant, as a child in the house who has no rights who is just there taking up room sometimes. This is Paul's way of saying that that you're trying to live your life and determine your identity and who you are based on how well you live life. You're rooting your identity in how well you live your life. You identify based on your GPA. You identify based off of who your circle of friends are. You identify based on your looks, how much is in your bank account, what your major is. You use all of these other external things that Paul says are childish and worldly. Because when we root our identity in those things, all of the commands of the world and the expectations of the world, when when we say, this is who I am, you're always going to fall short. You're never going to be good enough. Your GPA will never be high enough. You'll never have enough money in the bank account. You'll never have the right friends. Ever. Not once. There will always be a longing for more. This is a losing premise because we fall short, we sin, we miss the mark, or we just rebel. Thinking that we can do life perfectly puts us in slavery or shackles. Because we're left stuck serving that God instead of the one who created us. Now, we're all sinners. And there are all times that that each and every person in here struggles with God. There are times when we doubt. Like we feel like we don't belong to his family. And every time we're doing that, it's because we're holding ourselves to the expectations and the commands of this world. And we're holding ourselves up to the expectations and the commands of God that we can never live up to. So we're filled with this anxiety all the time. Worry. I don't want to see a raise of hands with this, but I mean, how many of us are on medication right now for worry, anxiety, depression? Because we are burdened by a world that has so many expectations of us that we cannot live up to at any point in time. And even God's commands and his expectations, or as Paul calls it, the law, we can't live up to that either. So we're left with this burden. So we self-medicate. We lie our way through social media. We lie and put on a good face amongst our friends and family, saying everything's okay when it's not. We have enslaved ourselves using the world standards. Do it right or get out. And so here we are. You and I as outsiders, left on the periphery, left to blend in. 
With the sound of music and dancing and laughter echoing throughout the room, we hear stories of people who experience peace and love with God. We hear this. But we feel like it's fantasy and it's not for us. It's for somebody else. Or it's fiction. So what should we do? Should we just resolve ourselves to playing this sort of role? We'll never belong in the church. We'll never belong in God's kingdom. We'll never really be a part of of a relationship with God at all. Never be his child. Or is there more? Is there more for you? God says there's more for you. This is not the way that you have to live. This is not the way things have to be. In verses 4 and 5 of this section, Paul says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. So Jesus came, and he lived the perfect life according to the commands and expectations of God. Perfectly. To redeem and save all of those who don't live up to the commands and expectations of God. To all of the failures, to all of those burdened with anxiety and depression, and for all of those who are just burdened with guilt and their own sin, he came for them to redeem them, to redeem us. What this means is that Jesus, Jesus is there at the party, the only one who deserves to be invited, and he sees you on the periphery with a tray and your dorky white jacket, and he walks over to you. And he says, here, take this. He gives you the shirt off his back, or rather more appropriately, the tux or the ball gown off of his back, and he exchanges clothes with you. He takes on the servant's jacket, and he picks up trays, and he starts passing hors d'oeuvres, giving you the glamorous, perfect attire for the wedding feast. But he doesn't just do it so that we can be there in the party because I've been at parties where I didn't belong. I've been at weddings before as a pastor where you don't know a single soul outside of the bride and groom in the entire room, and it can be awkward. Jesus says, no, you're now part of the family. Go. So he does this not just to make us part of the party, but part of the family. And even beyond that, we get to become heirs, as it says, God's giving us the keys to the place. He looks upon you walking over to him in this very moment, clothed with what Jesus has given you at the cross, clothed with Christ in that beautiful wedding garment. He sees you in this very moment because of what he has done. And God is filled with love in his heart. And he walks over to you and gives you a big old hug. And he says, you can call me dad. You can call me dad. You are now my child, and all that is mine is yours. You were once an orphan, and now you are family. You were once an outcast and a rebel and someone who did not belong, but now you are the guest of honor in God's kingdom. All because of Jesus. And when you leave here, and you sin again, you know what Jesus will do? He'll walk over to you again. And exchange clothes with you again. And say, I know this has happened before. But I'm going to do this every single time. And I'm never going to get tired of it. 
My righteousness is now your righteousness. Your unrighteousness is now mine. So friends, you are a part of God's family today because of Jesus. You have been brought into the family as an heir. Welcome to the family. Let's party. Pray. Heavenly Gracious Father, you sent your Son to be present with us, to bring us a heavenly inheritance, to take our place upon the cross. We are forever grateful. Each and every day, teach us what it means to rejoice and to live in you, in this new family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.